a listener production. Okay, are you recording? Are you recording? G'day team, you are listening to episode three, part A of the Howie Games, artist series featuring a bloke who is a very, very big deal. Kevin Parker, aka Tim Impala. Now, before we get rolling, a bit of background for you on how this episode came about before I play you some of Kev's music. And to explain to you the level on which Kevin operates, he is a massive, massive name in the international music scene. His slow rush tour is currently playing to sold-out venues all across America. Now, when I've mentioned to people that Kevin is coming on the show, I have got two very different, very definite responses. Response one. Oh, my God. (laughs) That's it. No freaking way have you got Kevin Parker on. You can't have that. Is simply not possible. Tame Impala is a god. He is not doing a podcast with you, followed by a million questions about him. So that's response one. Response two. What you talking about? What you talking about? What you talking about? What are you talking about? Tame who? Who? Never heard of him. Then I play some of his music and they simply go, wow, how good is he? And they quickly join group one, those that are obsessed. Now, I was aware of Kevin as I read an article about him in the Weekend Australia magazine a while back and thought simply, how cool is this cat? In fact, it became a running joke between my wife Erica and I. If something impresses, we would say that is as cool as Tame Impala. I get that by me using the term cool, probably makes me anything but. But anyway, that's immaterial. Now, Das, my man Das, the editor extraordinaire of this podcast, he sits firmly in Group 1, the obsessed. He's probably the cheerleader of Group 1. Absolutely loves Kevin. And it was Das, who set me the task of getting Kev on. I didn't tell him how things were progressing, but I reckon my highlight of the year was getting a screenshot of the photo of Kev joining the podcast, texting it to Das without him having any idea that he was actually coming on the show, and the kid lost it and said, I quote, this is bigger than your man Kelly Slater. That is the way Kevin is viewed by his fans. So this is Kevin, Tame Impala, with the song Elephant. But it feels like an elephant As you are about to learn, everything you just heard there is Kevin, which is quite incredible. The drums, guitar, bass, vocals, he does it all, records the lot by himself, then has a band join him on tour. Thanks to Casey Passmore from the Fremantle Football Club for pointing me in the right direction and the legend that is Kate Green from Spinning Top for making it happen and to Kevin for allowing some of his music to be played on the podcast. When it is all said and done, this is the story of Kevin Parker from Perth, a kid who started banging some drums for fun, fell in love with music and is now a global music sensation, even if he doesn't see it that way. This is one for those who dream big, work hard and seek perfection knowing all the time they will not attain it. The Howie Games Artist Series presents Kevin Parker, Tame Impala. Hang on and enjoy the ride. Welcome to the Howie Games Artist Series, one of the biggest recording artists on the planet. I am beyond Oof, stoked to have him on. The- no, 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 let's let's be serious here. Maybe Australia. No, no, I'm going on the planet. I am so pumped to have a chat with this bloke. It's outside my usual area, but I'm fascinated by what he does. His name is Kevin Parker. You may know him as Kev or the Tame Impala. Welcome to the show, mate. How are you going? Thanks, man. I'm good. I'm really well. I've got to say right off the start, I- I've 
I've recorded a few of these artistic series one now, and I love everything about it. And I've immersed myself in what you do for the last two weeks, which I'll talk to you about. But I must say, mate, I nearly fell off my chair when you agreed to do it um, <laughs> because you're a busy man and you've got a lot on your plate and you're tremendously successful. So I'm very, very grateful. Um, what, what, can I ask you why the yes? Because when I got the email from Kate, one of your mm. people, yep, mate, I was jumping around the living room and I said to my <laughs> wife, Tamian Parler's coming on and the kids who are 9 and 11 who are massive fans as well, they said, Dad, I don't believe you. You're not wow. having the Tamian Parler on your show. So why? I've never asked that question before, but I, I am very <laughs> blessed and I feel privileged, mate. Uh, it was something different. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, I, I relish in the opportunity to do different stuff, especially like I – I heard that it was uh, also. I, um, I I'd heard that it was kind of a, a, a like you did a lot of athletes and it was kind of like you know sport. Like, you know that was kind of like your um, yeah. mm, You know how you started it all. Um, and I thought that was kind of interesting because yeah. I don't know if you ever heard it. You, you know what I did? And my boss will have a heart attack if he listens to this. So I mm. work for, amongst other people, Fox Footy, right? I call the footy for Fox. So I oh, get yeah. the pleasure of calling Frio Games. I know you watch a bit of footy. So about a month ago, I thought, well, how am I going to go and try and get Kev on? I need to get him into the commentary somehow so I can send the clip to your agents. I don't know if they send it on to you. But Mark Rusciuto, the former Adelaide superstar, mentioned – Kenny Loggins and Footloose, and I thought, right, here's my chance, and I told him he needed to update and get into the music of the Tame Impala, and then we discussed it on air, and I sent that through to one of your people. So I don't know if that had any effect or not, but it was that was my grand plan at the time. Mark Rusciuto. Jono, you said what music would you play for Robbie Gray's uh, uh, clips? I think you'd have to go with Footloose after having a look at that one, mate. But uh, come back from four weeks out with that uh, tackle on Ned McHenry from the Adelaide Crows. What about Kevin Bacon down on the boundary? I'm not sure. He needs to get across the Taming Parlour or something, update the music a bit, Rude. Back in the Footloose days. Shows you how old he is, Rude. Shows you how good the song is that uh-huh. it can still be mentioned today. Okay. Taming Parlour sing the Fremantle theme song. He does. <laughs> I think that was a well-executed plan. I think, uh, well, uh, yeah, Kate, Kate sent me that, that like, sound blip. Right. So that, that, would, that provided some validation, definitely. <laughs> and weirdly, a couple of, I've, I've heard that, like a, a couple of commentators mentioned the song. Yeah, um, you know, well, well, yeah, like we, mid game. Yeah, which is which is fantastic. Mate. And we'll get to music, but we always start the artist series with people's involvement in sport. I, I don't know if you played any sport when you're growing up. Did like what uh, most kids do? In uh, you're a WA boy. I know you got into music, but did you play any sport at all? Well, uh, as you can probably imagine, <laughs> uh, I wasn't super sporty right. growing up. Um, you must have played something, though. Yeah, I was actually um, I was actually brought up on rugby because right. my parents are both from. Well, my yeah, my dad is uh, is Zimbabwean, my mum's South African. Um, so dad was big into rugby. Um, so like you know, being a kid in the family of a rugby, I was going, well, you know, I'll follow rugby. Um, so uh, footy only really came into the picture when I kind of left home and started. Hanging out with you know, uh, spending time in Frio and spending out, hanging out with people that, um, yeah, that don't just play rugby. So, yeah. So did you did you play rugby? Did you ever play for a team? Yeah, I played for my school. Right, which was John Twenty Third. What position were you? What, what were you like a speedy winger? So you don't seem to have the bulk for me required to get right well, in exactly, there. Exactly. Exactly. It was kind of like, 
I, I think I was sort of, you know, you know, when when it's like, it would have been like 10 years old or something. I think it's kind of all over the place. Um, but I think I was a forward. Um, and then when I hit puberty, like as I progressed through puberty, I like became progressively <laughs> lank, taller and lankier and sort of they sort of like progressively moved out to the wings. I ended up a winger. Oh, oh, yeah, on the wing. And did you watch sport growing up in WA? Like, I, you know, I have obviously me, I, I have memories of Richie and Tony and Bill and the cricket. Did you watch sport or was it just not even on your radar, mate? Oh, yeah, totally. Totally. So what would you have been watching? Well, I mean, I watched I watched the Wallabies a lot um, and, I, and I watched a bit of footy. Like, it was like a good way to connect with the world that wasn't music, you know, because yeah. like, like when I got into music when I was sort of, you know, like super young, like nine, ten, eleven years old. It kind of just took over my life. Like it, it was, it was such a, um, such a revelation for me <laughs> that I, um, I was like, from when I like had my first drum lesson, I was like, that's it. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a musician. This is my thing. You know? Did you? Yeah. So it kind of took over my life, and and yeah. But but sport is like, and, and footy and rugby has always been something that's like, it's good because it. Uh, it's like uh, it's 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 my way of sort of keeping in touch with the real world. Yeah. So so on that, you're wearing your Fremantle Dockers beanie. You're, you're their number one ticket holder, I yep. think. And, and you you did it. You did a song. Now I I will comment artistically on none of your music because it's out of my depth. But I got to tell you, I love it. Oh, and as, as I said, mate, the last two weeks I have read, I have watched clips, I have listened to everything you've ever released, but. In the sporting world, you sort of recrafted the Dockers song. And I loved it. And it sounded to me that that Dockers song that you did, a bit of Black Betty at the start, and then when the guitars came in, it was like ACDC. Yeah. And it's the best footy song I've ever heard, and if Fremantle <laughs> don't adopt it and use it in the circle, they're doing something wrong. I don't know. I, I, I remain pretty adamant that it's, well, extremely adamant that it's not the the theme song. It's it's, it's not made for that. It's, um, it's like a hype track, like... I literally just had this sort of like a stadium full of excited fans in in my kind of imagination when I was thinking of it. Like, <laughs> um, I think when I first when 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 we when we first when the club first released the song and I played at the stadium, I think it might have like sort of like um, caught a few fans off guard because they thought that like I was trying to rewrite the anthem, which is absolutely I, like I want I want them to know that like that's absolutely not what I'm trying to do, nor do I think it should be done. So it's like a um, pump up song, like it pumps you up, it gets you ready for the footy. Exactly, exactly. Which was what was so exciting about the um, the, the the project, like like the, the what's, that's what was so exciting about doing it. It's funny because when I first chatted to them about being number one ticket holder, you know, they brought me into the club, which was really really great experience. Um, and they and they were like, so you know, do you want to make some music? And I was like, oh, <laughs> like I was gonna, I was gonna offer. It was crazy, you know. I was like, yeah, of course. Um, also because it's like you know, with number one ticket holders, you know, I I, I feel like it's always um, generally someone like an ambassador, usually from like maybe from the sport world or yeah, 
um, some some related world, and I was like, you know, what can I what can I bring? I'm a I'm a psychedelic rock musician. <laughs> Most of my fans, <laughs> you know, like I usually make music for 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 people to take drugs to, not to get pumped up to to the football. <laughs> Um, so I was like, but hey, but hey, like I love, I love, uh, I love ACDC. I love music that, I love music that has an energy, um, which is like, is, which is something I don't always have the opportunity to do. So that, that's why I was so excited. But, but I, yeah, I, I do want people to know that I'm not trying to rewrite the song. Like the song is the song. So my analysis comparing it to an ACDC riff, it wasn't that far off the mark. I'm happy with that. I get a tick there, I reckon. I, uh, I spent quite a lot of time working on the guitar sound to get it to sounding like really uh, early ACDC. Oh, that was oh. that was probably the part that took the most amount of time. There you go. Um, yeah. So yeah, you, you, you're on the mark there. footy as the number one ticket holder and like do you get your own special box and you know do, do they look after you and give you sort of they do they look after me really canapes well. and stuff yeah yeah I mean it's funny I'm always so kind of like I'm always so into it that when they bring out the the food and stuff like it's, it's really funny the boxes they they have like sushi waiting for you when you get there and they're like would you like some sushi so I'm like get get the way from me me <laughs> too the game like all I really all I want is like is uh is beer and, <laughs> and like, you know, <laughs> footy food. Um, so, yeah, no, but they look up. It's really great and um, it's been so amazing. And also hearing this, hearing the song is crazy because, uh, you know, like we are a successful live band, like we've done big shows, but um, we've never played stadiums before. So, so hearing the song at a stadium is, is really something else. Let's go, let's go. Now, Kev, frequent listeners to this show, which I know you're going to become after this experience, yeah. know that I have two kids that always ask a question of the guest. Now, that, they get excited when Steve Smith's on or Kelly Slater is on. But when I announced that you were going to join us on the show, this is a whole nother level of excitement. So, Wow. Yeah. No, they are. They're 9 and 11 too. So, uh, and... So we'll get to the fact your music covers all generations, but they ask a question. So you get the question firstly from my nine-year-old son, whose name is Mac, Kev. Okay. But his nickname, self-appointed, is the Big Penguin. <laughs> okay? Amazing. That's right. amazing. It is amazing. He sees some similarities between himself and you. Here we go. Hey, Kev. Big Penguin here. First off, I love all your songs, but my favourite is the Apocalypse Dreams. Good job. Anyway, enough about all that stuff. So, I thought I had the best nickname ever, and then I heard yours, the Taming Parlor. Big Penguin, Taming Parlor. Pretty good. Anyway, what I want to know is where did you get your nickname from? So, to him, the band name is the same as the nickname, and he was also asking me, Dad, are you going to call him Kev or are you going to call him the Taming Parlor? I said, I think I'll go with Kev, but he wants to know where it came from. 
That's funny. I'm, I don't think I've ever been called the Tame Impala before. <laughs> I kind of like it. It's weird. When, it, when he said Big Penguin and Tame Impala, it kind of, I don't know, my brain just went to one of those YouTube videos where it's <laughs> like snake battles mongoose or something, <laughs> you know. It made me think the Big Penguin probably would win. Um, yeah, I reckon he would because the Impala's tame. Yeah, but he's only tame for it. He or she is only tame for a, for a second. Right. That was the... That was the um, thinking of which there wasn't much, to be honest. No, the name is something I just thought of uh, one day. But are you, like, are you just sitting at home and it pops in your head and you go, right, that's what I'm going to be operating as, the Tame Impala? Like, how, how does that process work? Yeah, it was at home. I think it was at home. Um, but what you have to remember is home was a share house. Uh, <laughs> I see. Uh, I see. You know, uh, a share house that I was living in. You know, sort of um, late teens, early twenties, and so you know, <laughs> it was a, it was a time of great sort of creativity and, and <laughs> <laughs> okay. mind expansion. Yeah, and just sort of like anything goes. You know, like like if you think of something, you like being creative. That was the uh, modus operandi, you know. It was like, hey, I've thought of something, and it was like, you don't question it, you know. It was, it was about being expressive. Why is he tame though, the impala? Or it doesn't matter. It's just about. It's meant to be. It's it's kind of like the idea of coming coming across a wild creature, and just for a split second, you share a connection with it, unspoken, okay, unplanned, okay. fleeting. I just love that idea. Uh, I mean, I, I, I'm thinking about it now these days more than what I did at the time because people ask me about it. So, like, you know, but, uh, like, what I think I was thinking was that. It's like, and it, like, it's an impala but it could be any animal. Um, right. I chose impala because it's an African animal and I heard about, like, you yeah. know, my parents had lots of sort of books on safari animals growing up. Um, yeah. I, I will let the penguin know. Great. I will let the penguin know. Yeah. Um, so I, as I've mentioned before, this show is about following someone's journey and inspiring people by success, which, which we'll get to. I, I introduced you at the start as one of the biggest um, recording artists on the planet. You said, no, 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 Australia. Kev, w- when I say to you, being from the sport background, I like stats, when I say to you that this month currently 14.53 million people have listened to your music on Spotify, just on Spotify, 14.53 million. Yeah. Does it blow your mind, mate? Does it blow Absolutely. your mind? Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's mind-boggling. And it's kind of, I guess, like it's something that I have, because it's because I've been making music and releasing albums for a few years now, it's something I've sort of gradually gotten used to Accepting, but I guess you never really like you can never really comprehend fourteen million people. But you just go like, all right, shit, that's that's it, you know. It's um, crazy, like that's crazy numbers. <laughs> it's it's that's that's worldwide dem- domination, is what that is. Yeah, exactly. I mean, well, not to <laughs> go on. Um, not to sound insulting, but I think for Australian people. You know, like our population is not as big as other countries. No. You know, like America has like, what, like 300 million people or yeah. something. And we have, what, 20? Yes. So th- there are a lot of people out there. Um, there, there, there and, are and, a lot and, of people. There, there are, mate. I am one of, I'm an extremely fortunate artist from Australia who gets to be 
are listened to in other countries in the world, which I never, I never really acknowledged and appreciated until a little while ago. I was like, oh yeah, you know, you come up, start playing gigs in Australia, and then you go overseas and you and you, and you get successful there. Like I assumed it was kind of like a a given or like a sort of a natural progression. I didn't realize how lucky I was to um, to be successful in America. But but if you th- like. Uh, and you're obviously a, a, a humble fella, and uh, and which is not always the case with, you know, musicians and rock stars. But if you think about it, mate, fourteen point five million people. So say, say those people have jumped on three times. So let's just say that it's five or six million people on Spotify have decided this month they want to listen to your music. Yeah, like that's um, that is a tremendous. Yeah. Oh, I, I don't know what the word is. Six million people have woke up and thought, I want to listen to Kevin Parker today. Like, yeah, <laughs> that's unbelievable. Yeah. It must fill you with joy. It does. It does. Um, however, my brain is very good at uh, finding ways to not appreciate <laughs> Right. Well, that's what I'm here to do, to tell you that that, that yeah. is an amazing thing, mate. Whether whether you see it or not. See, I'll give you an example. Yeah, um, where my it. brain goes when you tell me that is uh, something that I learned at some point about streaming, the, the world of music streaming, and that is that people don't always intentionally click on your song when they listen oh, to it. Oh, come point. on. Like, yeah, 15 no, million true. people kind of press the wrong button, Kev. Uh, well, no, because they, they're just playing like a playlist that they subscribe to and then whoever's doing the playlist goes like, oh, I might put a Tame Impala song on and then it comes up and then that counts as a play. So there's things like that. Like it takes away nothing from my appreciation <laughs> from it whatsoever, I, I assure you. Um, but, it, you know, there's that kind of stuff. Okay. It's, uh, some people have have a problem with that in the streaming world. I personally don't like whatever you know. <sighs> well, the, the numbers, the numbers. Exactly. Back to Kev in a moment. Next up on the Artist Series, a seriously talented creative customer, Will Anderson. Will is for mine Australia's premier stand-up comedian. In fact, he's one of the best on the planet. He hosts a series of smash hit TV shows, including The Gruen Transfer and Question Everything, his new show, has numerous massive podcasts, including Willosophy and Two Guys, One Cup and plenty more. But to me, Will is one of my best mates from school, a bloke I played a lot of footy and cricket with growing up. So for me, one of the big moments in both our sporting lives was my father getting the felt from the paper mill where he worked down in Merivale and putting it in the trailer and driving it to your place alongside your father and laying it in your cricket net you had at your house to make a new surface. And we played a lot of cricket on that. The fact that you had a cricket net in your house probably displays your father's obsession with the game for a start, I would have thought. And then we laid our own pitch, mate, with Merivale Mill Felt. Yeah, so I think my dad had a real mix of he had ambitions. He would have loved if I had been a good cricket. There's no doubt about that. that well, that's why him... the cricket nets were there, I feel, my friend. Yeah, he, he hadn't set up an amateur stand-up comedy club with no, a light and a stool hadn't. and a microphone. And he definitely <laughs> hoped that I might be a cricketer. And I think that there was probably two things going on. One was that he wanted that. I mean, I remember sitting with my sister Suze on the couch watching the Olympics one night and I remember saying to my dad, Dad, would you love us more if we were swimmers at the Olympics? And without hesitation, (laughs) he just went, yes. (laughs) 
<laughs> and it was so real. It was just one of those, like my sister and I talk about it all the time because <laughs> never had just, okay, all right. That's Will Anderson, a man who was never, ever, trust me, never going to be an Olympic swimmer. But he did give up a solid job, a good, solid, consistent job as a journalist to chase his dream of being a comedian. What a legend. Will's episode of the Artist Series drops next Tuesday. Let's get back to Kev. Take me back to that first drum lesson. Who was the teacher? Where was it? Why were you going to it? Uh, How did it start? Well, my brother, well, okay, so my dad was a musician, like, by hobby. He um, he played guitar and sang in a, in a covers band. It was kind of like his passion. Huh. He'd, like, you know, he'd come home from work and play guitar and sing. He had, a, like, a file full of his favourite Super Tramp songs or whatever, <laughs> Beatles or Rolling Stones or whatever. Um, so I, it's something I also just kind of appreciated recently was that, like, I never realised how sort of influential that was or how much that sort of made it normal for me to think that I'd be a musician. But it was. And so my brother played drums as well. He started learning drums. And I saw my my brother playing drums. He was a couple of years older and he also lived with dad. I lived with mum, so we were separate. But I went to visit dad once and Steve had a drum kit and he was playing drums and I was like, holy fuck, that is amazing. I just thought that was, like, that coupled with the fact that I just started listening to, like, rock music. I just started listening to Silverchair and Nirvana and stuff. Like, so I already was already sort of, like, just starting to get into the the joys of listening to music. And then Steve, my brother, was playing drums. Holy shit. <laughs> oh, that's um, gold. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Blew my mind. So I was like, well, I'm doing that. That's what I'm doing. So who was the teacher? And, and was you, like, who was the teacher and what was your first lesson like? Because it was obviously uh, a seminal moment in your bloody life. Well, uh, my friend at school also played drums, so I went to a music school to learn guitar okay. so that I could play along with him. So I went to this sort of like a music school where they sort of take you around the room, all the instruments, and they find what instrument you want to do. Uh, and I was like, yeah, I'm here to play guitar. I'm going to learn guitar. And me and my friend are going to start a band. And I can play guitar with my brother. Um, so they're like, okay, here you go. I played guitar for a bit, and then they put me on the drums, and I was like... Oh, no, fuck this. The drums are way more fun. <laughs> this is my go. Which for a, for a 10-year-old boy, you can, imagine, you, can, yeah. you can imagine why it's just that much more kind of instantaneously responsive. It's like hitting, you're hitting stuff in the name of music. How did it make you feel that that beat and that drum and that, I don't know, if release is the right word. I, well, I'm taking you back as, as to, you know, 20-odd years Of course, now. no. Um, it was instantly fulfilling, like I sort of like, I would have gone home that day and just been like, it it, it filled me with a sense of identity, you know, because up until then it was like, you know, I had a BMX bike and I had played video games with my friends. Like, you know, I didn't, I wasn't, you know, super different to other people on the outside anyway. Um, And so becoming a musician was like, I suddenly found a sense of 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 who I am, you know. Like I'd, I'd walk around <laughs> with my drumsticks in my pocket, you know, like it was, <laughs> you know what I mean? And like I made a drum kit out of like junk in my room like that because, you know, mum wasn't, she didn't want to buy me drum kit straight away. It was expensive. So I used pots and pans and like the the trailer of a truck that I had was the kick pedal and like the... 
um, the stopper from my rollerblades, you know, like the things you used to stop, that was yeah. the beater. Like I, <laughs> I, went, I went, went all out. She had a drinks tray that was circular. I put a hole in it and that was the symbol. <laughs> You know, like, and, and I just sat in the corner of my bed and that was my drum kit and I think mum saw that and um, so she was like, okay, this, I, think, I, think, I think this kid's into it. I should buy him a drum kit. So, mate, there's, there's so many similarities. I mentioned to you this at the start in the player mm-hmm. profile. People should go and listen to it and hear about your first car, et cetera, but about the, the connection between sport and music and you having your drumsticks in your pocket is no different to Nat Fife walking around with his footy or Ricky Ponting yeah. always having his kookaburra in his hand. Yeah, so 100%. W- were, were, you, were you Ricky Ponting at drums and music as a kid? Were you elite at what you were doing and did you just have it or was it something you had to work at? Oh. And you were no, you were nothing nothing special compared to the other kids in the drum class or the or the guitar class. It's no time for modesty, just honesty. Uh, honesty. Uh, I I would love to say that I was rubbish and I just sort of powered through to get to as good as I want, but like it did come pretty easy to me. And um, my music teacher told me that it was like you know, I came back the next week, and he was like, "Wait, have you been practicing?" I was like, "No." And he was like, he was like, whose drum kit have you been playing on? And I was like, I don't know one. <laughs> you know, I just played on my knees. And he was like, okay, right, okay. So I, I had that, but I also just had this unrelenting passion. It was, it was both, basically. It, it, it was just like music is just, was just so fulfilling to me for, on like many levels. It was like emotionally fulfilling because the music made me feel a certain way. It was, uh, yeah, just so many things. So and and you know like getting better at it felt good like being being able to play songs that I loved listening to like slowly it sounding more and more like what I was listening to on my favorite CD that that felt good that kind of like pushed me on so huh. yeah so to to just take it a modern day now and you mentioned this a couple of times how much in your waking time now in a day are you thinking about music and what's next and what you can create and what the next song could be or what the last song could have been differently? How much of it, like, as a sort of a ratio of time? Yeah. I would say about 80%. Is thinking music. Uh-huh. Wow. And um, the thing you have to remember too is that there's so many parts to what I do. So even if I'm thinking about, like, the visuals for the cons- for the tour coming up, you know that's still that's uh, yeah. that's still music. Does that count as music? Yeah, it, it does. Okay. Do, do, do you lie in bed? Do you wake up thinking about music? Do you lie in bed, of trying to go to sleep thinking about music? Wake up thinking about music? Yeah, of course. Wow. I mean, I, 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 I've got I've got um, a kid now who who is like obviously every everything to me. And what do you got? Uh, I had a baby girl. Oh, congratulations, man! What's Thanks, her name? Ma'am. Peach. Oh, what a cracking name! How old's Peach? Peach Barker. Uh, she's six months. Wow. Yeah. And is she being, so like you talked about, and you, you'll appreciate this now because you're a parent, mm-hmm. you talked about looking back on the influence your dad had on you yeah. with his music. Is little beautiful Peach surrounded by music already? Yeah. Is she? Yeah. Well, well I mean, it's, if I'm looking after her, I'm kind of like, what do I yeah. do, you know? Well, so, you know, like she sort of like plays with some toys for a bit and then I'm like, okay, how do I entertain her? And she happens <laughs> she happens to respond to me playing guitar. Right. Um. Really well. 
wow. so I can just sit there and like you know n- noodle on the guitar. Um, we've got some pretty pretty great videos, as you can imagine. Of yeah, her just sort of like looking like she's getting her mind blown. Like, what is that? You know? Are you loving it? Um, are you loving you? Are you and your your wife just loving everything about apart from the lack of sleep? What you're doing? Of course. Yeah. yeah. Good. <laughs> uh, we've been lucky with sleep too. She's a good sleeper. Oh, good on you, mate! Congratulations. I I, I wasn't aware of that. Okay, so mate. Like, what, what was your first band? Like, did you rock on with the local mates or, like, what, what was your first band when you got together with your mates and you started playing music? Yeah, that yeah, of course. That was um, that was first order of business. Was it? <laughs> yeah. Like, right, starting a band. Right, how old? Um, 11. 11? <laughs> so the first band I was in, actually, uh, I was put in because so you, you, you go there during the week uh, you have like your lesson, whether it's drums, guitar, singing, bass, whatever, keyboard. You do your lesson during the week, and then on Saturday morning, all the kids come in and they put you in bands. Okay, it's kind of like a rock and roll academy almost. <laughs> school um, of rock. School, it was school of literally rock. a school of rock. Exactly. How good? Yeah, it was. It was amazing. Like I would just like hang out all. I would just be waiting for Saturday morning because that was like rock day. You know. Right. And so I'd go and, like, our our session was, like, 10 a.m. or, like, 11 a.m. or something. And um, the song that they'd teach you during the week was the song that everyone else in your band had been learning on their part. So I was learning Are You Going to Go My Way by Lenny Kravitz. Like, I, I learnt the whole song just playing it on drums with no music. I didn't even know that I was learning Are You Going to Go My Lenny Kravitz? Are You Going to Go My Way? Can you do that? Um, like, how's it go? I even like, that's the one that's like. I know the song. I'm gonna go my way. How does the how does how's the drums go? The drums, I tell you, they go. Right. Wow. There you go. Perfect rendition. Wow. Yeah. So that blew my mind as well, and so that was the band I was in. It was like, I was five of us. There's a girl playing guitar, a girl playing bass, a guy playing guitar as well, and a singer. Right. Yeah, and that was that was just yeah, it was really great. So that was my first band. I didn't even think it had a name. What was the first band that had a name? Well, it wasn't until sort of high school, playing in bands, where I where we had to sort of name. Because remember, like at that age, it doesn't really matter if you have a name or not because no one's talking about you. Right. (laughs) You're not being referred to. But what about when you come out and you say we are the yeah, well, there's no way I'm telling you that band name. <laughs> Come on, Kev. <laughs> Come on. I, to be honest, I might have said it in an interview before, but I don't think so. So, mate, I, as I said, I, I've really tried to immerse myself and try and gain an understanding of what you do. Mm-hmm. And it's not the music that I grew up. With which was a band, what you're talking about, with with a guitarist and a drummer and a singer and maybe a a, a keyboard player, like wh- mm-hmm. what do you do? <laughs> well, it's such a basic question, but it's an area that I don't really have a great understanding of. So like, how would you answer? What do you do? Um, the easiest way to describe it would be that I record music like with the same sounds that a band has, but I record all the instruments. So, so you um, you, you record them all? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Every yeah all all 
Tame Impala albums are just me. It's called it's called multi-tracking. So you you have a song and just say you know how it goes in your head. So you go and play. You record. You hit record. You go and play the drums and you record the song. And then you get off and then you're listening back to yourself playing drums and you play guitar along with it. Um, and then you record that as well. So then you've got drums and guitar. Uh, or then you record bass on top of that because you're just listening back to yourself playing it. It's kind of like listening back to someone else playing it. Uh, and then you sing over the top and then you've got a song with bass, drums and guitar and, and a vocalist, but it's not a band. It's you. You just, you just recorded over the top. You overdubbed. Hold that thought for a sec. You now get the question from my 11-year-old daughter okay. who is Sky, but she operates as the pickle. Awesome. So you've had the big penguin. Yep. This is now Tame Impala, the pickle. You ready? <laughs> okay. Hey, Kevin, pickle here. I'm a big fan of your music. I really like it. Anyway, I used to play the ukulele and now I play the guitar, so I'm okay at two instruments. But Dad showed me one of your music videos and you seem to be good at Everything, like everything. So how many instruments can you actually play? Very relevant question at this point yeah. of the conversation. Well, I come from a music scene where you don't have to be very good at an instrument to say that you can play it. Like I come from a, a, a sort of a music scene where it's, it's about having a go. Yep. And like if you want to express yourself playing a certain instrument, go ahead, do it. It's it's more about expressing yourself than it is about being really good at that instrument. I was playing guitar before I knew how to play guitar because I never actually got guitar lessons. I just started hammering away. Yeah. I, I, I can't actually play that many instruments. I mean, like when you... Well, well you've mentioned the guitar, you've mentioned the bass, you've mm-hmm. mentioned the drums. What yeah. else you got in the kit bag? Uh, there's piano and stuff and, and piano? keyboard. Keyboard? But, but put, it, put it this way... I've been recording piano and synthesizer and keyboard on my albums long before I could even play with two hands. Like the last album that I recorded right. is the last album I recorded is the first album I recorded where I knew actually knew how to play with two hands. Before it was I just do one hand. I just kind of no way. Yeah, absolutely. Because you know, for me, it was about getting something out. It wasn't about proficiency. Okay. So, so hold that thought for a sec. I want to come back to the creative process with you. How are you going here? We, we going all right here? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, good. I, I want to ask you about how you sort of come up with a song. But from my reading that I've been doing, Kevin, immersing in myself in the world mm-hmm. of Tame Impala, uh, there's sort of various uh, urban legends that come to pass, and I, I don't know if they're true or not, so I ask you, did you start releasing music in the day on MySpace? Absolutely, yeah. MySpace was one of the first social networking sites to reach mass adoption. It was worth $12 billion and outranked Google as the most visited website on the internet. It was the place to be and took the world by storm. Right. So you'd get your song and then that you'd pop her up on MySpace. Straight to, straight to my, oh, not straight to MySpace. I'd sort of play it to my friends a few times first. Um, but I, got in, I kind of got into a routine... Well, not a routine, just sort of it became quite easy. I just record a song in my bedroom yeah. of the share house. Yeah. Um, record it, put it on my laptop and put it straight to MySpace. So he, so he likes, he listens to it. And then? I, I, just want, I just wanted people to listen to it 
Um, I wasn't, I had not even begun to think about it commercially or, you know, like I obviously had ambition, but yeah. f- at that point it was just more, it was more important. It was more about, like I even made it downloadable. Like, you know, bands put their music on MySpace and like no one makes it downloadable because you've got to buy it. You know, yes. I was like, fuck it, just fucking make it downloadable. You know? And so when people would start downloading it, like the first song you put up, and this is for for anybody, well, like we talked about your fourteen point five million streams in the month. Mm-hmm. Like, did you see like one download or two downloads, and just be pumped? Yeah, of course, absolutely. I don't, I can't remember. I think there was a. Yeah, no, I remember. Actually, that's crazy. I haven't even thought about that since then. But there was like a a listen count, and I remember that that was a really kind of like, you know, like heavily. Uh, um, that number was given much attention to <laughs> amongst all the artists and bands like oh which Perth band has Absolutely. this place you know um which was also also something that I that me and my friends always wanted to like we just didn't want to have a part of that you know there was this, like the 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 Perth music scene was highly competitive and kind of like you know um a lot of egos and and sort of a hierarchy of bands Hmm. Um, and we didn't really want to have any part of that. We thought it was stupid. That is it for Kevin Parker, part A, more good stuff, coming your way in part B. Listener.